All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim. Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Hello, somebody. I hope y'all ready for today. I'm ready. I have a very, 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 very special guest. Now, you all know I am extraordinarily excited for all of my guests because I welcome the opportunity to be able to share in discussion about pertinent issues of our time with uh, experts and, and people who have been on the journey uh, that we're talking about in the moment. But today tops all of that. My special guest is my dad. And we are going to talk about some some stuff, family stuff, world stuff. Man, this is going to be a good conversation. And certainly my dad has been my strength in moments of fear. And he has been the person to lift me up when I'm feeling down. You know, we all need a community of people to lift us so that we are able to lift each other. And I'm just so excited to have my dad uh, with me. You all know, some of you know, and, and for those of you who are listening to Hello Somebody for the very first time, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, we talk about every topic from political, social, economic, uh, politics certainly is my expertise, but we talk about every single thing that impacts us and our lives. And I have people from the business community, the political community, activist community, artist community, 
all of the various communities that make our life whole, that make our life worth living. And so today I'm dedicating this to families, to to fathers, especially black fathers. We are in Black History Month 2022. But I often say I am a black woman 365 days, 365 days of the year. So it's not a month that can just one month that can encapsulate the black experience. However, as a nation, we do recognize February is Black History Month. And just to go back down memory lane for some folks, Black History Month started off as Negro History Week. The one and only Dr. Carter G. Woodson thought of this and wanted to make sure that in this country, folks understood and respected the impact and the influence of black people in this country, the history of black folks in this country. And it started off as Negro History Week. And then in the 70s, it became Black History Month. And the reason that Dr. Carter G. Woodson, and if you have not read one of the best books ever written about race, and the psychology of race, I recommend you read The Miseducation of the Negro. It is a classic. And I tried to try to read that book or skim it these days every single year, but it is a must read. So put it on your reading list. You will not be disappointed. But the reason why Dr. Carter G. Woodson selected the month of February and in the black community, and I have said this before, and I'm sure you've heard others, we kind of joke, why did black folks get the shortest month of the year? And in the North, the coldest, one of the coldest months of the year. But the reason why is that Dr. Carter G. Woodson has so, so much respect for two men, uh, one being the great abolitionist himself, the one and only Frederick Douglass was born in this month. And then President Abraham Lincoln was born in this month. And he had such respect for those two men. That is why it started in February. This is why we are still in February. So there it is. It wasn't a plot to give black folks the shortest month of the year. I just crack up because, you know, we look we were looking sideways at February. And then if you didn't know, now you know. And if you did know, it is just a reminder. So here we are in February of 2022, trying to figure out, as Marvin Gaye once said, what's going on? One of my favorite songs, Mother, Mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's too many of you dying. We got to find a way to bring some love in here today. What's going on? The one and only Marvin Gaye. All right, so here we go. So it has certainly uh, been an honor in my life and we all have ups and downs and turnarounds and life is never a straight line to really grow and to get to know my dad. My parents got married and divorced when I was still really young. My dad uh, has constantly been in my life. It has been hard. My mother was the custodial parent, but my dad was always there. So you all have heard me over the years talk about my mom because she was the custodial parent. I think about her all the time. And the fact that my dad was always there, people always stereotype or they think it of divorce or separation in one way, but it is holistic. And there are so many fathers who, black fathers in particular, who always get a bad rap because people stereotype them. But I want the world to know that my dad has always been involved in my life. It was hard at times. My my mother was a handful. I miss her every single day. Uh, nobody is perfect. She died at the young age of 42 years old. I miss her every single day with all the complications. And I wish she was still here right now. I know that many of you in the Lost My Mama Club or even Lost My Daddy Club that you can relate that we would rather have, most of us would rather have our parents right here with us. If you are somebody who believes in an afterlife, believe that there is a creator of this universe, then I know that you believe that our loved ones 
are, that they are in a better place and that their spirits still reside, certainly within us. But I believe that the spirit of my mom and other ancestors, like my grandparents on both sides, both my mother's side and my father's side have gone on to glory, that those spirits and those other ancestors, the ones whose names we know and the ones whose names we do not know, abide with us, that they guide us, that they are in many ways our guardian angels. So yes, my life has been complicated. I'm sure that some of you can relate, but I'm happy, certainly happy that over the years as I became an adult, my dad and I got closer and closer and he's always been there for me when I needed him most. And certainly as an adult, uh, needing him more now than ever. So, Dad, I'm so glad to have you with me today on Hello Somebody. And this this show, we talk about everything, as I said, and I certainly believe that everybody is somebody. So, Dad, I want to talk about you being a grandfather first and then go to the dad part. <laughs> but you are a grandfather and a great grandfather, which I often say when I see you, it is such a blessing that your great grandchildren get to see you. So many children never get a chance or great grands never get a chance to see their great grandparent. And especially for black men, because black men have a higher mortality rate. You know, they die younger than uh, people of other groups. And so it is quite a blessing to be a grandparent, but you are also a great grandparent. And I am stuck on this, as you know, because I'm a new grandparent and I just can't help myself. I love my two little grandbabies so very much. And to experience what you have experienced many, many times, but also being a great grandparent. So can you talk to us about what it's like to be a grandparent and a great grandparent? And then we're going to go into you being a parent. I'm going most recent and then I'll go backwards. Well, being a a grandfather, a grandparent, it's an honor. I believe I have 25 grandkids, and my last count on the greats, maybe 18. I spent a lot of time with with a lot of the great grandkids, even showing some of my great grandsons, uh, training them in basketball. So, so it's an honor to be able to play basketball with your son when he was a little guy and be able to play with your grandson and be able to show your great-grandsons how to play the ball, and granddaughters too. So. I was going to say that. Don't leave out the granddaughters. I can't leave the granddaughters out. So it's 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 an honor, and I'm blessed. I'm, I'm rich, not in rich in finances, but rich in life. And that's a beautiful thing. My dad is a basketball coach. He's a dog trainer, but the basketball coach part and you even coached my son, your grandson, uh, JJ, you know, when he was a teenager and you all would play basketball together. And still, even up until this moment that you just recently stopped playing full court basketball. So you are holding it down for your generation. Many people, when they see my dad and we'll try to post a picture, they don't believe my dad is in his 70s, but he is. But he, he looks very much like he's in his 50s. There are many times we'll go out places and, and people don't believe that he's my dad. Very handsome, regal gentleman, if I must say so myself. Just beautiful, beautiful chocolate man with a gray beard. Hello, ladies. Hello, somebody. Y'all better talk about that. Ain't nothing like 
beautiful dark chocolate with a gray beard. My dad is probably blushing right now, but I'm telling the truth. And I can't tell you all how many sisters pulled me aside. It's like, that's your dad. That's your dad. I'm flirting with my dad. So it's good to know he still got it because that means I'm going to keep it. Hello? We're going to keep it. Black don't crack, baby, if you take care of it. So yes, dad, you trained uh, JJ. You trained a lot of your grandsons and granddaughters. And now you're able to bounce the ball around a little bit with your great-grandchildren, which is a blessing too, because you stay so physically fit. What motivated you to keep your health, especially because black men do die at higher rates at younger ages than men of other ethnic and racial groups. It is really just a testament, especially in America, for a black man to be as vibrant as you are. And that comes by you taking care of your body, you eat a certain way. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, nutrition is very important to me. When I play basketball, when I used to play as much as I used to play, I was always very competitive. I didn't want to be just out on the court. I, I want to be able to dominate. And so I watch what I put in my body. I take care of my body. And I think that's what kept me going over the years. Uh, what you don't use, you lose. We just did a cleanse together. It was something else. It was 14-day cleanse. <laughs> Woo, we made it through. It was hard because that tea, we, it was a cleanse that we did, and it was whole foods you could eat, but you could only eat whole foods. And the two teas we had to take were so bitter. Oh, my Lord. I, d I didn't think I was going to make it through. But I definitely ended up feeling a lot better after that cleanse. How about you, Dad? Yeah, I felt a lot better. Lost a few pounds. It, I did too. It, it just give you a chance to clean your whole system out. And that's what it is, preventative. You yeah. Know. Yeah, in this country, we don't do a lot of preventative. We do sick care, and we don't even do that right because people don't have, uh, you know, we don't have universal health care. Don't get me started on that, Dad, because you know how I feel about that, and I know how you feel about that as well, that we should have. And, and because you do have uh, Medicare because you're over 65, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to have that. Right. Yeah, we want that for everybody. Right. You're supposed to eat to live, not live to eat. Right. So if you just finish eating a meal, you don't need that German chocolate cake. Not not every night, anyway. <laughs> every now and then, but not every night. But you know that we're socialized in this country to gorge. You know, we supersize everything. Uh, people think they're getting more for their money if they don't get supersized. Some of these portions could be three meals. Right, absolutely. And eating a lot of food actually kill you slowly, especially if it's the wrong foods. Yeah, a lot of processed foods. A lot of processed food. Certain foods that you eat helps to heal certain parts of your body. Yeah, and it has to be living food, preferably not, not processed food and canned food and all that kind of stuff, but... Wow. So we we helping you out with your nutrition here, but consult your doctor now and your dietitian. We, we're not certified, but we're just telling you, sharing a little bit about what we do. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well... We had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! 
Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So, Deb, you played basketball in college. You were a basketball coach of a ladies' basketball team. You want to talk a little bit about that and what motivated you to coach a ladies' basketball team? More than 40 years ago, I was approached by a couple of young ladies that uh, they was out of college. They didn't play college ball, but they played high school ball, and they were trying to put together a team, and they asked me what I coached. Well, I turned them down. I told them if you couldn't find nobody, I would coach. So when they came back, they said they couldn't find anyone. I, I didn't believe them, but <laughs> but I coached them for 10 years. The first year we won one game, and it was the last game of the season. But as the season went on, on the, in the second round, the second we played each team twice. So the first round we get blowed out, but the second round, we wouldn't win, but we'll be close. They 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 were beating us by very few points, and we finally won the last game of the, of, of that particular season. And then the next season, we won it all. I coached them for ten years. Out of the ten years, we won the league eight years. That is amazing. So from not wanting to do it to you were recruited. <laughs> yeah, I, I was recruited. Uh, Along the way, during the years, we recruited some players. The only way a new player could be on our team, they had to fit in with our harmony because our team had harmony. Even if the new player was the best player, that don't mean she's going to start because what was important to me is harmony. And we practiced during the offseason. We'll meet at the track outside, and we'll run two miles. We'll walk two miles. If you wasn't there... I didn't check nobody. They had a good reason for not being there. So it was the honor system. And then we'll practice against men. So when we played women, the game was kind of easy. And everybody had to play defense. And we were so good that some teams complained to the league and they changed the rules. If you had a 24-point lead, you couldn't press all over the floor because we played a lot of man-to-man. But for 10 years, I coached them. Eight years, we won the championship. Wow, how does it feel to have made <laughs> your team made them change the rules? That's how good you were. Well, the league was predominantly white, and we was the only all-black team. And uh, so a lot, of, a lot of other teams complained. So, And I figured that I... I wanted you to bring it out. I kind of instinctively knew that. I watched, I came to a few games. And, you know, the same thing recently happened to Simone Biles, the gymnast. You know, she is spectacular what she does, and they changed the rules on her too. Right. And that's often what happens in life, period, Dad. You know, I was going to ask you a question about how, what are some life lessons that sports teach you? And this one, this particular story that you're telling that you all were so good and the other teams 
the white teams complained about how good you all were and they changed the rules. And that happens to black people a lot in life. That when we are good, when we're the best, the rules change. Right. Yeah, that's that's true. Not only in sports, but in life, like you say, in life itself. And what are some of the life lessons that one can learn or even that you've learned through sports? Some parallels between life and sports. Well, basketball itself, I can honestly say that it kept me out of trouble when I was younger coming up. It kept me out of a lot of trouble because I loved the game so much. In my spare time, my free time, I'm always working on my game. And I was pretty much a loner. I, I didn't really hang with a group of guys. Pretty much was by myself, working on my game. So you were born in Gainesville? Yeah, Gainesville, Georgia. Georgia. And the family migrated to Cleveland, Ohio. No, we, we migrated to Washington, D.C. before we came to Cleveland. Okay, D.C. and then to Cleveland. And you lived in East Cleveland as well for a little while. Yeah, I lived in East Cleveland for a while, but we pretty much moved all over the city on, on the east, north side of Cleveland, mm. pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So sports, let's go back to that pause for that kind of, where did the family hail from on my dad's side? We know that over 90% of black people's families are hail from the South, and we know why, because that is where most of the slavery took place. Our ancestors were enslaved primarily in the South, and so that is why over 90% of black people hail from the South have some type of Southern roots because of that. The Great Migration was a big deal in this country, the Great Migration of black people into parts north, into the northern parts of the of the country. So that Gainesville, Washington, D.C., and then the northeast side of Cleveland, so back to the, so sports for you helped you stay out of trouble. And I often hear a lot of students say that both male and female, mainly males talk a lot about that, but I certainly have heard some of our young girls say the same thing because it, I don't mind is the devil's workshop. It keeps you busy. Right. And then you talked about harmony on your, your, your team that you coached. And I found that fascinating to hear you say that a player the only way you could play on the team, it doesn't matter how good you are or were, you had to match the harmony of the team. Right. Had to match the harmony. We had an honor system. Of course, everybody had to put the hard work in because the hard work is what pays off for you. That's why we were so victorious all those years. Yeah, eight out of ten, even though they changed the rules. You guys, I don't want to let up on that part of the story. I know I should move on, but they changed the rules. Did you hear me? They they changed the rules. I am not surprised. That is what happens. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And that is an example of system. So when you hear me talk about systemic racism, that's it. When somebody has the power to change the rules, to bend towards another group of people to the disadvantage of another group of people, that's systemic systemic racism that's part of it and so my dad telling that story about the basket about the league is just one example they didn't say to the other teams y'all got to get better they changed the rules because the black team was the best that happens if we think about black wall street you know black people being prosperous having their own and you know i heard a historian say it should have been called black main street because those were just everyday average african-americans living in their communities 
and they were prosperous. Why? Because segregation and discrimination told them they couldn't be a part of the larger society. So they created their own. And then the rules were changed. You know, white terrorism happened and burned down that entire town. Hundreds of black people were killed uh, over that. And still to this day, there have been no reparations to them. So just think about a time when the rules were changed. Anything from what happened to my dad's basketball team to if we look at the economy, housing, you name it, social, political, economic, the rules are changed to benefit one group over another. The group that is in power continues to have that power that is systemic. So that's what we're talking about. So I love that example, Dad. That is such a great example. So I want to move on to dog training. So you are a dog trainer known as the dog whisperer. I can't tell you all how many places I go where I meet somebody that my dad has trained their dog. It is really a really a big deal. So I know for all the dog lovers out there who are listening to Hello Somebody, they are really going to love this part of it. So talk about your journey to being a a renowned dog trainer. Oh, gosh, share a little story going back to basketball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can go back to basketball. Occasionally, I would enter my team in different tournaments around the city, and they had a tournament where we played at one of the local. And this is in Cleveland. This is in Cleveland. We we played the tournament at one of the local colleges, Baldwin Wallace College, and uh, the plane dealer printed all the names of the teams. Not all the names of the team, but they had two or three teams in particular. One team was a team full of coaches, high school coaches. And they mentioned all their names, and they was the one that was picked to win the whole tournament. Well, we beat them. We won the tournament. And then uh, the playing dealer had a big write-up about the team that lost, and they, they mentioned very little about the team that won and mentioned maybe two or three of that team's players. Well, I was playing basketball at the Coliseum one Sunday morning where the Cavaliers used to play. And I was in the locker room, and one of the guys was was reading the sports section, and he said, they don't say nothing about the coach of the team who won the whole thing. They don't say nothing about him. And I overheard his conversation, and I, I told him, I'm the coach of that team. And one of my players asked me, why didn't they mention my name? I said, well, my name is an Islamic name. That, that might That's the only reason I could think of. Yeah, that they they did not mention your name. And since 9-11, Dad, I mean, I know, you know, by you having a, I mean, black man in America and you have a Muslim name, how hard that, like, just extra hard because people judge you just by your name. And the story that you're telling about the paper and the write-up at that time, and you said that this was about how many years ago? About 30 years ago. About 30 years ago. You know, this kind of stuff happens all the time. And it's odd to write, to give so much coverage to the team that lost instead of highlighting the team that won and also the coach that led the team to victory. That usually does not happen where they talk about the losing team. And I assume the losing team was the white team. Yes. And the winning team was the black team. And they didn't even name you. I mean, I don't know. How how did that make you feel? It made me feel disrespected, but I didn't let it bother me. I know we won and my players played their hearts out. Yeah. So microaggressions are real for black people that we have to endure every single day of our lives. I mean, it's a wonder that we do have the incidents higher 
health disparities and and when we look at those disparities the comorbidities that go along with it because of the hell that we catch in this country over and over and over and over and over again it's it's a lot that but thanks for sharing that particular story i also have to let the listening audience know by that time i did have a few white players on the team so the team wasn't all black we had maybe about three or four white players on the team and they all played hard yeah yeah that's beautiful that the rainbow coalition eventually but when your team started off it was all black and then as time went on the the 10 years some other players joined the team right okay beautiful any other like lessons or anything about basketball before we go to dog training well with my players i didn't allow negativity like uh if there was any criticism, it had to be constructive criticism, nothing negative. I, I didn't allow that. Yeah, beautiful. Because as a man or a woman thinketh, so are they. You know, so is he, so is she. So that's beautiful. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. that you are a renowned dog trainer and every time I see dogs that are not trained I always think about you I was in the elevator of a building today and I was on the elevator with another person and we all entered together so three of us entered and there was the person I was with and then the guy and his dog and the dog was trying to jump on us and he had to pick the dog up and put the dog in his arms to keep the dog from jumping all over us. And I instinctively thought about you because that is not a well-trained dog. So that's a good segue for us to talk about dog training and what motivated you to become a dog trainer. I think what started out when I was a kid down south, my dad used to have hunting dogs. So he, he would hunt a lot. And I think that's what started me to get interested in dogs and you know, what make them tick, what different breeds was bred to do, how they think. That's what got me started interested in dogs, why they jump up on you. If you run, why they chase you, you know, stuff like that. And you talk about the pack instinct a lot. Is that I say that right? Not the pack. Yeah, yeah the pack. Yeah. Uh, dog, dogs are pack animals. So in my training, I educate the owner because people seem to think, if you teach a dog to sit, it should stay. If you teach it to down, it should stay. Those two different concepts. Dogs don't think like people, so I have to educate the people why dogs jump up on you, why they go out in front when you take them for a walk. If you got one of these retractable leashes, 
which give the dog a lot of room to go all the way out front. That's only reinforcing what the dogs do anyway, which is take the alpha position because they pack animals. So who's ever holding the leash, the dog view that person as part of his or her pack. So they want to be the leader of the pack. If you see two, three, four dogs, stray dogs, you can tell who's the leader of the pack. That's the one that's in front. The one that's in front would turn around and go direct direction they came from, and the other one pretty much follow suit because they pack animals. So when you bring one into your home, it don't matter if it's two people in the home or two adults and kids. The dog's going to formulate in his or her mind where that person falls within the pack, the way they view each person. Usually a dog will try to gravitate towards someone that's firm but fair. got to be firm but fair. You can't be cruel to the dog. you got to be firm and fair. Oftentimes the dog will choose that person as being the leader of the pack. Oftentimes it will be the male of the house. It had to be firm but fair. If, if you be mean and cruel, you're just going to make the dog fear you. Sometimes the dog will choose a, a woman because the woman might be firm but fair. But when whoever the dog view as the leader of the pack, when that person is gone, the dog view himself or herself as next in charge. I was always fascinated by you telling that story. The dogs view themselves as in charge. So why do dogs jump up on you, Dad? I'm still having flashbacks to being in that elevator. I think the one reason why they jump up on you, it all depends on their body language. If they're showing aggression and they try to jump up on you, well, they they probably trying to hurt you. But they just jumping up on you to jump up on you. They're trying to get into your face because this is how they get to know who you are. Like two dogs, when they meet, they're in each other's face or they smell in each other from behind, and then they're in each other's face. This is how they get to know who you are, through through the scent, through their nose. So it's a social thing. It's a social thing. Now, but when people have dogs who just jump up on strangers, can that be stopped? Yeah, it could be stopped. What I normally do, if the dog is big enough for me to knee it in the chest, I'm expecting the dog to jump up on me. So as the dog is coming up, I'm kneeing it right square in the chest. Not not a light tap, but enough, hard enough for him or her to feel it. And then they might not jump up on you anymore or it's going to be far in between gonna be few in between that they try to jump up on you. Dogs are dominant physical by nature. Everything they do is dominant physical. You can't say no jump, no jump. You can say that two thousand times, the dog's still gonna jump up on you. But once you knee it in the chest, it's gonna think. Because the dog invited itself to jump up on you. You didn't. That's dominant and that's physical. So when you knee it in the chest, that's dominant and that's physical. So you letting the dog know that it's invading your personal space. And there is something that owners can do about making sure that their dog, I mean, you talk about well-trained dogs. I mean, knowing that you are in dog training just makes me reflect a little differently on what it means to truly love your animal and take care of it. And part of it is making sure that your animal is trained. The other thing I see a lot, Dad, is uh, the dog walking the owner instead of the owner walking the dog. Well, that's the dog taking the alpha position again, going out in front, right? Especially if it's a big, strong dog, it's kind of hard to walk, especially on ice and snow. 
So you, you get the dog trained and you teach the dog how to walk on the leash where the dog is walking with you, not in front of you. And that, that makes a lot of sense because you got to maintain control. Got to be in control. So well-trained dogs are very good. I wish we could train people. <laughs> I don't train two-legged dogs. <laughs> we don't train. We don't train people. Oh, my God. All right, Dad, this has been so good. So we went from great-grandkids, grandkids. We talked a little bit about the kids, not too much. I mean, the kids, we don't matter as much as the others, the younger ones. Basketball, coaching, the impact of sports on your life, the lessons, some lessons learned in sports, and dog training. So I'm sure that people may want you. I think we should end with, some story about me, a funny story. Tiffany wants you to tell a funny story about me. I don't know if you have a funny story, but is there any a story about me that you would like to share? Yeah, there is one story. Uh, I don't think it's funny, but it, it always stuck with me all these years. And uh, you was about two years old, and uh, we was walking. We had to cross the bridge. I was on my way to, to class. But anyway, you was around two years old, and every day you would have a thousand questions for me. To me, a lot of the questions didn't make sense, but I never fluffed you off. I took time to answer each and every one. <laughs> but deep inside, I was saying, I wish you stopped asking me these questions. <laughs> so when I look back at that on retrospect, in retrospect, rather, I'm glad that I that I took the time and the patience to try to answer every question. And every question you asked was serious. It was serious. You had a serious look on your face. <laughs> At two years old, I was serious. Y'all hear that? So when people wonder, why she's so serious when she's getting down to business, especially that when I'm fighting for big causes, you know, I don't play no games with it. So I guess it started when I was two years old. Right. <laughs> I think that is a funny story. I think Tiff will love that story and everybody else that's listening to Hello Somebody. But that this has been great. We're gonna have to do it again. I got a quote from the one and only Bishop Desmond Tutu, the late great Bishop Desmond Tutu, and he said, You don't choose your family. They are God's gift to you as you are to them. And I want you to know that you have been such a blessing and a gift in my life. And I'm glad that life's circumstances have brought us just ever closer and closer and closer and closer together. I love you, dad. Thank you, Nina. I love you also with all my heart. Thank you. All right, y'all. So share some love. Black History Month, black love, spread some love. Just spread love. It could be black love and other love. Spread the love. All right. Hello, somebody, because everybody is somebody. Thanks for being on this journey with me. Until next time, keep the faith and keep the fight. The pain is numbing Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something Embrace the love for your brother and sister Unity's the missing brush, we need to puzzle this picture Let's paint it up, frame it up For the world to see, hang the hatred up Enough is enough, is enough Making changes on us 
and Turner. Her voice is the truth. Her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof. It's the end. Never give up. Keep conquering goals. To the eye, intelligence, silver. Wisdom is gold. Back to the end. Now is your time. Stay firm. Don't fold. To the A. All you need is the three bones. That's what Granny said. Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread. For all the hair, just give her your ear. She can take you to the promised land. I swear. World peace is what they fear. From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here. Famous. Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.